This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Equity Mike. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is Welcome to another episode of the Equity Mates Summer Series. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well-known companies from both here in Australia and over in the US. In some instances, we'll be hearing directly from the CEOs to give you first-hand insight into their companies. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Bit of a delay there. What's going oh, on? I thought you were about to say something about our recording equipment. Reception's but. not great over that side of the desk. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, this is a company that is an Aussie success story come good. Love and to see it. You love uh, Australian companies listing in the US. I mean, you love them. Love lifts them listing in Australia because preferably here they're yeah. local and traditionally that's all we could invest in. But you love to see Aussies taking it on the world stage. And with platforms like Superhero, we can now invest in uh, the F45s and the Alassians of the world if they list in the US or in Australia. So love to see it. Uh, the company we're going to talk about today is one of those. It's F45. Yes, F45, ticker FXLV, recently listed over in the US. But you did mention Superhero there, Ren. And the summer series is brought to you by Superhero, who allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees, and you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions, and fees and charges apply. So today we're going to be covering uh, F45. We're going to be talking about what they do. If you've never heard about them before, we're going to look at the industry, financials, future prospects, and also keep your ears tuned for some fun facts because... As with all episodes in the summer series, you have the chance to win $1,000 in your superhero wallet. To do so, all you need to do is listen to this episode, remember a couple of key facts that really interested you, and then head across to the Equity Mates Instagram at Equity Mates. Find the corresponding post for this episode, and uh, you can make a comment, and 
we're going to choose out one of the best fun facts from this episode and you can go in the chance to win a thousand bucks. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Pretty easy. Remember one interesting thing from this episode, <laughs> comment it on the post and we'll choose someone to get a thousand bucks. It's that easy. Yeah. And if you want to invest it in F45, you can. Uh, if you want to invest it in anything else, you can. If you wanted to withdraw it, I don't actually know what the rules are around that, but There's, I would say that's not in the spirit of what we're trying to do here. No, there are so rules. Invest it. There are rules around it. I think there's at least a 90-day period in which you can't withdraw the money. So check out the T's and C's. But anyway, Ren, let's get stuck into F45. As you said, an incredible success story for a company that started here in Sydney in 2013 in our backyard with a store in Paddington. There you go. Yeah. Uh, founded by... Rob Deutsch, uh, hope I got his name right, and Adam Gilchrist, not the cricketer. (laughs) And it's all about high-intensity group workouts. It's the gym of the moment, you'd probably have to say. Like, here's my theory of gyms. Uh, Late 2000s, early 2010s, CrossFit was the uh, real, like, cool gym. And then F45 usurped them and became, like, the gym of the moment. It's not as in the moment as it was, well, if that makes sense. Uh, I was going to let you respond to that because now, then I was going to say like Barry's is probably like the the it gym. Yeah, but I think also what it did was really uh, re-engaged a lot of the gyms that also offered gym equipment, uh, re-engaged them on providing better class structures and those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Uh, yeah. My dad, so my dad's a member of Fitness First and he used to go to this Fitness First and I remember him just being ropeable because the Fitness First he went to, they took all the equipment, all the free weights, like all the cardio equipment and it was all classes all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it was like, what's this? <laughs> yeah. uh, but now he's a big he's a big class guy. Yeah, well, they did start it. I, I clearly remember when I uh, we were at uni and going into the workforce, F45 was the thing, you know, people like, it's great, you're in the corporate world, you duck in, you pump out 45 minutes and you're out. So they did a really good job and it's been a great growth story. So let's- Yeah, little did they know that wasn't an innovation for me. I could always do a short workout at the gym. You just leave. (laughs) (laughs) So we've spoken around what it is, but just to establish the facts clearly, what is it? Like what happens when I walk into an F45? Uh, How is it different? What was the innovation? So as you said, there is uh, no ability to do individual workouts. You're in a group, 45 minutes, and you do group workouts for 45 minutes and then you're out. And uh, no workout, and this is what I really like about it, no workout is ever the same. Yeah. So high-intensity circuit, Yeah. you're in and you're out, you're doing it with other people. Yeah. One PT for a class, mm. that's the kind of ratio gyms love to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that was it. And from humble beginnings in Sydney in 2013, they took on the world. They did. It was, it's been an incredible expansion story, Ren. They started in Paddington and then within the first 30 months of uh, that store, they launched 200 studios, uh, which is pretty phenomenal if you think about it, just over two-year period. And we will get to how they grew so quickly in a second, but tell us the full story because that 200 didn't stay 200 for long. No, in the in less than eight years, their global footprint has now gone to 2,247 franchises and in 63 countries and 1,487 studios. So from zero to 1,500 studios in eight years Incredible growth. Incredible growth. There's a few things to unpack there. Let's start with a term you said, and then let's reconcile those numbers because they don't make sense. Yeah. Um, franchises. So this is a franchise business. Yep. And for people who are unfamiliar, 
Uh, think of like a McDonald's or a KFC, a Subway. Fast food is generally the easiest example to play in. There's a brand, there's a company, the franchisor uh, that owns the brand, I guess, that is the, the parent company. And then individual investors buy franchises uh, and become franchisees uh, and they operate each individual store. So your local Maccas, it's very unlikely, is owned by the McDonald's Corporation. It's much more likely it's a everyday investor that spent the 150k up front and the million a year or whatever, I don't know what the numbers are for McDonald's, to, to get the license to operate a McDonald's in that area. That's the franchise model and F45 have done it with gyms. They're not the first gym uh, to become a franchise. Um, they won't be the last, uh, but they have basically created the concept. Then they went to other gym operators, other investors and said, do you want to license this concept? We'll give you, you know, workouts, IP, branding, marketing, support, all this stuff, train your staff, all that. And you can be an F45 gym in your local area. All you've got to do is pay us a heap of cash. Speaking of a heap of cash, F45 franchises sell for a minimum of 50 grand. Buyer is required to spend another 100,000 or so on equipment and then there's monthly costs ongoing. However, looking at the S1 or the prospective over in the States, the average setup cost is about $315,000. So it's not insignificant. They do harp on about the return on that and the free cash flow that you get from it. It's not a small amount of change, uh, but the setup costs are lower than your traditional gym. As, as we know, F45, you're not having to buy all the equipment and multiple racks and all those sorts of things. A lot of it is focused on body work and that mm, sort of stuff. Mm. Someone's going to slide into your DMs and say it's a prospectus, not a perspective. So what just, did I say, perspective? <laughs> <laughs> just want to establish here that he knows and you don't have to DM him. Thanks, Scott, my background. <laughs> <laughs> Through this episode, we'll talk about like the merits of a franchise business and stuff like that because – when you're analysing it, thinking about the gym and the success of the gym is only half the story. But let's reconcile the two numbers that you told us there because you said in the first 30 months they expanded to 200. Then you said now they've got 2,247 total franchises sold yep. but they only have 1,487 studios. Yeah. So what, they've sold 800 studios and just never built them? Essentially, yeah, they've gone out to market, sold uh, franchises and for, or sold to franchisees. So I've gone to Ren and said, you're interested in a in setting up a you, studio? You look like a really fit guy. You should probably run a gym. <laughs> yeah, are you interested? <laughs> Here are all the, the facts and figures about what it what it's like to own an F45. You sign up, all well and good. Uh, but you still then need to go out and find the actual location for the studio. You need to probably quit your full-time job, tell your wife that you're going to do that, break that news, COVID hits. So there, it's not like you just walk into a fully formed studio that F45 have set up for you. You buy the franchise and then you actually have to set up the studio. So that's why there's the differences here. It's a, it's a, bit misleading I think from F45 it's kind of saying this is our pipeline of coming well it's not misleading like they gave you both numbers in the prospectus well true but I think it's interesting <laughs> to look at what it you need to determine which one is the right number to well, consider yeah okay. you know what I mean I do but I also think that's a bit harsh both numbers are important the and and both numbers so basically 1487 gyms in operation yep. they will be paying uh, annual or monthly licensing fees and they probably have to give a percentage of profits or a percentage of revenues back to the company. And so that 1,487, if you're thinking of investing, you can model out what those numbers look like. And then you say 2,247 gyms have been sold. So the difference there is about 800. 
they've probably paid the upfront component already. You probably model how long it will take for them to come online. I'm sure the company's given some guidance on that. And then you add that to your model in terms of what that means. So you have a view of what the pipeline is going to be. The big thing for me that stood out in that number is that having 1,400 gyms in operation and having 800 sold in your pipeline feels like a pretty heavy pipeline. Mm. Like if you if you find that some of your assumptions about how many gyms you could sell in a certain area, a certain city were wrong, if you find that different countries didn't take to the concept, I don't know where those 800 are, but it's a pretty heavy pipeline to operating store ratio, I would think. What you're trying to say is of those 800, how many are going to be, what percentage is going to be a success versus Or like do they cannibalise existing ones and make existing ones? Like it feels like there's some risk inherent in that pipeline. You wouldn't assume that all 800 are just going to be profitable from day one. Of course. well, I like that word risks because, um, you know, you think about the longevity of these businesses and there's no doubt in the health and fitness space in gyms, it's a reasonably low barrier to entry industry. Uh, so the question is how do F45 think that they differentiate themselves from the rest? Speaking of low barrier to entry, that just reminds me, uh, a couple of years ago down in Potts Point, F45 set up, King's Cross F45 set up and it was pumping, booming. It's set up across the road from a fitness first and from a, um, what's the other 24 gym? 24. Anytime fitness. Anytime fitness, yeah, yeah. yeah. So pretty competitive as it is. Yeah. Two years later, Barry's boot camp, bang, right next yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and F45, not going so well. Really? Not go- yeah, well, just visually, and I'm only basing this from yeah. walking past and having a look at it, but Barry's has certainly taken what I would imagine a lot of those customers, Yeah. Um, just given the area sort of stuff yeah, but yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah so low barriers to entry this is probably a good point to talk about the benefits and risks of a franchise model is that king's cross f45 might not be doing so well but as f45 the parent company they care they obviously care but at the same time how much do they care because that king's cross franchise franchisee still has obligations to pay x amount of fees a year there's probably also a percentage of revenue so that how well it goes will affect what it pays back to the parent company. Like franchisors, like the parent companies can do very well from underperforming franchisees because there's just obligations that you have to pay uh, a certain amount. So F45 as a gym could be losing popularity but F45 as a business could still see strong revenue for, for years to come at least until those contracts end yeah. or franchise these shut down find a way to break those contracts yeah. yeah so just quickly how do they claim to differentiate well it's all about for them delivering these fitness programs through technology so if you've ever been to an f45 you know that there's huge screens everywhere that almost act as your uh, fitness instructor they use algorithms to ensure no two workouts are ever the same they have about six thousand workouts in their library at the moment they're aiming to get to ten thousand and of course this is a scalable model around the world. Now, is that truly differentiated? I don't know, but that's what they claim is their differentiating factor. I feel like it's also a brand thing and that's where like Barry's has really hurt them. It's like F45 was a brand and people liked being associated with that brand uh, and now Barry's is like the the brand in fitness. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, at least in Sydney. Expensive. I don't know, I don't know if, if we're way too Sydney centric when I we're talking so. about Barry's. Well, I don't know. It's definitely not in Wagga. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> market opportunity there. Market opportunity. <laughs> a lot of, uh, lot of pretty fit uh, soldiers coming out of Kapuka and Wagga. Yeah, well, fun fact about uh, <laughs> Kapuka. <laughs> fun fact about F-45, unlike Barry's, F-45 have a policy of no mirrors, no microphones and no egos. They've deliberately... Uh, excluded the use of mirrors and microphones in their workout rooms, which they believe mitigates the appearance-related pressures and trainer intimidation that are associated with many fitness alternatives. And I know for a fact that Barry's is the complete opposite of that. Yeah, isn't their whole thing like the, they've got like red, red lights, red lights so everywhere, really mirrors good. everywhere, yeah. heat up so you're sweating, shirts off. Like right, okay. It's mirrors, microphones and egos. Yeah, right. Okay, there you go. So I think the other important company fact is that Mark Wahlberg, the actor, former rapper, was a very early investor in F45 and that was really important for them, especially as they expanded into the US. So before we move to industry and financials, Ren, I just wanted to quickly touch on COVID because I found this quite interesting. You would think that COVID would have a pretty devastating effect on the business. You know, how many businesses were in existence? How many studios have come back since then? Did they have enough cash to survive? So going into it, into COVID, they had roughly 1,400 studios in operation of which 1,200 are now back online. So pretty interesting, but not only that, they still managed during COVID to sell an additional 355 or to open an additional 355 new stores. So I would say that's pretty resilient. Only 200 not back online. I don't know, hopefully not 200 of the best, but um, I would have expected that percentage to be far greater. I feel like pretty resilient business. I feel like gyms, and again, this is just, local bias but like in Sydney it feels like they navigated it pretty well we saw basically everyone just take equipment and go outside and keep training and then they all seem to have come back pretty strongly so I'm sure there will be some harms but COVID and like a total shutdown of gyms was the worst possible outcome you couldn't have thought of something worse and they navigated pretty well they IPO'd during that period the market wasn't too worried about their long-term prospects so um, yeah full credit to the team to get through But let's take a break and then talk about the industry and where F45 fits, the financials and their future prospects. Because I think, you know, there's no doubt that it's been an incredible business story to date. The question for us as investors is what does the future hold? So let's take a break and then get into that conversation. All right, Bryce, before the break, we really did a pretty comprehensive breakdown of F45, the business, what it offers to gym goers, and then the basics of the franchise model and how F45, the parent company, is actually making money. Let's now talk about how F45 fits in the broader global fitness industry. Well, there's plenty of competitors. We know that. They've really brought interest and a lot of excitement around that a class only approach. And so competitors such as Orange Theory, which I've had firsthand experience with a great workout, Peloton, which I haven't, but it's that class workout. Uh, there are many others, but that class only, uh, high intensity, short period of time, that space in the industry is is pretty hotly contested with more and more competitors, it seems, coming on to the space. So Peloton have an advantage in that they are that at-home exercise, but arguably F45 
feels a bit like a stronger business in the group class sense. There's so many competitors. Yeah. So let's so like globally, the global gym industry is worth about a hundred billion dollars. If you then narrow that down slightly to like fitness clubs, 87 billion. I don't know what you really exclude there. I guess like the Pelotons of the world. If we go to Australia, it's estimated annual revenue of about $1.4 billion in Australia from the gym industry, about three and a half thousand gym businesses. What would you guess is the biggest market share in Australia in terms of gyms? Who has it? Who has it? Um, fitness first. Second? They are, they are second. They are second, yeah. Anytime. Anytime. 19.3% wow. market share. Then Fitness First. Virgin. Then uh, Good Life Gyms, which is owned by Ardent Leisure. Oh, yeah. The, my big takeaway from that is that the old school operators are the big players in terms of market share. And, you know, they they offer cheaper subscriptions and you get the basics. But F45, Barry's, all these other names that we've been speaking about, they really just try and target a niche of people that are willing to pay more and get a different experience. And so total market share doesn't really matter to them. What, what matters to them are the unit economics of each franchise. How many people do we need to sign up to make each club profitable and then let's move on to the next one and they're doing that so if you were going to make an investment case for f45 you wouldn't say my thesis is they'll take 20 percent of australian market share it's that they will be able you you would want to go bottom up and you'd say they'll be able, able to open this many franchises and they can make them profitable with this many members and the likelihood of getting this many members for this many franchises is x and I obviously haven't done that work, um, <laughs> but but for me, it's like that's what really matters. Yeah. And then, and then as a franchise business, market share, again, doesn't matter. It's how many franchises can be feeding you cash back to the – like as the parent company. Yeah. Quantity matters over quality in the franchise game. Yeah. Well, they are changing their fee structure, so we'll talk about that in a second. But let's have a look at the financials for F45. So at the time of recording on the 4th of November, current share price uh, according to Superhero app is $14.74. Uh, market cap of $1.3 billion. And ran revenue of ninety two point six million in two thousand nineteen, up from twenty five million in two thousand and seventeen. And they're looking at revenue, which has been COVID impacted uh, in two thousand and twenty, of eighty two point three million. I mean, not like pretty impressive from twenty five million to ninety million in two years pre COVID. Like you'd love to see that. So somewhat unsurprising for a company uh, that's still, you know, growing incredibly quickly and, and investing for growth. It's not profitable. It's in the COVID-affected year of 2020, uh, it lost about $25 million. 2019, it lost about 12. The year before that, it was profitable. So obviously, it's it's really started to invest for growth the last few years. But I mean, that's not surprising. You, franchise businesses, you'd expect probably to turn profitable faster than like a tech business or something, but they're investing a lot in in growing the, the business, opening in new markets and finding new franchisees. So that's probably the long and the short of the financials. Share price is basically flat from when it listed. Yeah. Yeah. Anything it, else you want to add? No. I mean, one to watch for me from um, a listing point of view, it hasn't, it didn't pop um, as, as some of the bigger tech companies have over there, but um, yeah. Love to see a listing anyway. Yeah, it's got about 
$30 million in cash on its balance sheet, or at least it did uh, at the end of last year, which should give it some runway to invest and grow. You can see the model, but you can also see that gyms are in an incredibly fatty business. Absolutely. I, I get in two minds about this company, but let's talk about future prospects because we're sort of there. What are you saying? So in terms of expansion, so they've gone out and raised and they're looking to really expand studio footprint in the United States and then once they bed that down, looking at really expanding uh, around the the rest of the world. They are in 63 countries uh, but obviously want to, to make that more. What is interesting, Ren, we've spoken about their revenue model and uh, up until recently a lot of the franchise model has been just to take a flat fee. But now they're moving towards a flat fee and then, as you've pointed out, a, a model where there's a sort of percentage of earnings and that sort of stuff. So changing the way that they take revenue from their franchisees Interestingly, they're expanding into new channels. So they currently operate 29 franchises uh, in universities and on school campuses. They see this as a real area for growth. And they're also targeting uh, a few new fitness concepts, which uh, one that I really like is targeting people of the older demographic aged over 50 years old. So uh, it can be, I guess, a bit intimidating for those later in life to go into a pretty high intensity fitness class of, uh, you know, 30, 30 year olds. And so they're trying to come up with some concepts uh, that will appeal to an older demographic. I think to sum that up, it's geographic expansion, review their revenue model and look at what new ways to access new demographics and new markets. It's fascinating. For me, gyms feel like these businesses that can be great businesses for owner operators, but maybe not investable at scale. And everything you've just said there, it's like it's had this success, it's listed, and now it's looking to change all these things like change its concept, expand into like different channels and to target older people and all that stuff. And I get it, like grow your total addressable market, find different concepts for different niches, all that stuff. I get it. But it's like if the business, if if it had really nailed product market fit and it was like 10x better than any other gym that was there, it would be saying we're just going to double down. We know what works and we're going to double down on it. And for me that is not bad but it's worth noting. Yeah. For me, it's just like, what is the future of exercise? I know that's, that's a deep, <laughs> that's that a deep so question, deep. but like, I don't know, like in, in 10, 15 years is going to a physical location with 40 people in a class still going to be the preferred method of doing group exercise? Is group exercise still going to be the preferred method over doing it? Well, you, or is there going to be some sort of crazy technology where we're all pumping it out in the metaverse? Well, you know where we're leading. <laughs> Maybe every episode we're going to lead to this question, which is what does fitness, what what does X look like in the metaverse? <laughs> Maybe Facebook will disrupt them. Yeah. Uh, Meta will disrupt Meta, them. Meta, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know because, you know, name a gym that was around 30 years ago that's still around today. That's the Gold's big. gym. I don't know. Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, that was like where Arnold Schwarzenegger and stuff. Okay, like, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, but, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe there weren't chains like they were. I, they well, were was Fitness that, First around? Like, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't think so. Well, good question if you don't know the answer to it. Yeah, great question. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm getting at is how sustainable 
Yeah, is this, yeah. This is yeah, a like, great question. Is yeah. this is this just a fad where they've hit a great expansion phase? They've hit their hit a peak, and and will they be able to keep up with the changing? Because the health industry, I feel like, changes quite rapidly. And are they positioned, and are they going to be good enough to recognize the changing? consumer demands for health and and keep up with that. I don't know. The other thing that is worth watching, you mentioned Peloton before, that at-home fitness trend, there's some people that are incredibly bullish on it. Peloton is obviously paving the way. I saw recently that someone has just knocked off the Peloton concept but for rowers. So no it's exactly the same as Peloton but just with uh, like rowing machines rather than exercise bikes. And like that at-home fitness trend is going to, it's always been around, but there's obviously going to be more and more money pouring into that space because people are going to see Peloton. Maybe we should do a treadmill version of Peloton. <laughs> I hate running. <laughs> or like a really obscure fitness uh, contraption, like, you know, the stair yeah, machines. Stair machines. <laughs> why, not, why not just Peloton but with bikes that are half half as expensive? Yeah, not bad. Un- undercut them. Uh, there's a number of trends that are playing against each other. There's the... Uh, the changing fashion in the group fitness space, there's obviously always the competitive threat from that individual fitness, anytime fitness, fitness first space. There's the at-home fitness trend, which is sort of having a moment or had a moment during COVID and we'll see what happens there. But on the other side, I think the fact of the matter is that fitness is just always a structural growth industry. Mm. Like the fact that as society, as Western societies, we're getting more overweight and we have no self-control when it comes to what we eat means that fitness and those sort of industries will always see money flowing into it. So I don't know. I'm torn about this company. But for me, the, the biggest takeaway is whether or not I choose to invest in it, I love to see an Australian company take on the world. It's a great story. Congrats to the co-founders who managed to, in eight years, go from a, a gym in Paddington to 2,400 franchises around the world and uh, listing on the NASDAQ. Epic experience, epic story. I think it listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm the same, Ren. I'll keep an eye on it. Not one that I have money in and I don't really intend to at this stage, but mm. – um, Great story. And if you see Bryce hanging out at King's Cross uh, watching the gyms, uh, know <laughs> that it's market it's research. Market research. <laughs> because it was a bit weird how he uh, had so much information, anecdotal information <laughs> earlier, but it's all in the investment case writing process. It, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> no, I managed to take all of that in as I was walking to the fried chicken shop just past uh, all of the nice, gyms. So, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, Ren, really enjoying these summer series. We're going to be back next week with an interview with a CEO to hear it directly from them, and that is High Pages. Yeah, we'll break down the company first, then we'll get the CEO on to ask the hard questions. That's it. And a reminder that the summer series is brought to you by Superhero, who now allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees, and you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. Visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions, and fees and charges apply. Remember, take your favourite fact from this episode, head across to the Equity Mates Instagram page at Equity Mates, jump onto the corresponding post for this episode and leave a comment with your favourite fact and go in the draw to win $1,000 for a superhero wallet. 
uh, which we will announce at the end of this week. And no one can take their favourite fact as Bryce creeps outside gyms in King's Cross <laughs> because that's my favourite fact and I will be commenting. <laughs> and, and it's not also it's also not a fact. <laughs> it's fiction. But, Ren, always a pleasure chatting stocks, having a great time. Uh, we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.